Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from page one in our Pew Bibles. This is Genesis chapter one, verses one through five, from the very beginning of the Bible. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day that you have made. God, we thank you for the ways that you have revealed yourself to us through creation, as we just sang about. We thank you for the ways that you have revealed yourself in, in the Bible, showing us of uh, how you have worked throughout history with your people. And God, we thank you most of all for the ways that you revealed yourself in Jesus Christ. We pray that this morning, as we hear your word read and proclaimed, God, that you would that you would open our ears, that you would open our minds, that you would soften our hearts, that you would change us by your word and by your spirit, evermore into the people that you create us to be in relationship with you through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Genesis chapter one begins like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Turning then to the New Testament. John, picking up this theme of the beginning opens his gospel account, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, which can be found on page 860 in your pew Bibles, or 1646 in the large print. And he writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but, to his, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then turning to our sermon text for this morning, 1 John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. It should be found on page 985 or 1898 in the large print pew Bibles. John writes, that's that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life 
appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Well, as uh, you first encounter this passage, it's sort of a strange one. I was uh, challenged many, many years ago uh, with a group of people, we were going to memorize the whole book of 1 John together as uh, I was a summer intern under a youth pastor at the time. And so that was the, that was the challenge. We were going to do this together, and we all made it through about this section right here and stopped. <laughs> because there's so many words that are just sort of all tangled and convoluted, and you're like, I don't even know what I'm saying. I don't even know what these words mean. And so we sort of gave up and went on to other things. Um, which is a shame. I wish we had worked through it a bit more carefully, which is what we're going to do this morning. One of the reasons why it seems so convoluted is actually in the Greek, it's one sentence. One sentence. That's a lot of words for one sentence. Um, Unless you're a preacher. There's one main verb in the whole thing, which is proclaim. Now, if you read it in the English Bible, they kind of bring that through a few more times as they've broken up the sentence to help us with the understanding. But that is the idea, is that John is proclaiming something. We are the ones who are needing to, first of all, hear what it is that he's proclaiming. We are the ones who need to, second of all, receive what it is he's proclaiming. And third, we need to be the ones who are proclaiming what he's proclaiming. And so we're going to look at what it is he's proclaiming, and really what it gets... what will help us with this is when we understand the other key word in this whole thing is the word for fellowship. And the problem is, we use the word fellowship in Christian circles all the time, but not the way the Bible uses it. That's the problem. And so what we'll do is, I remember years ago in youth ministry, we would have uh, invite some high school kids, and we'd have some pizza out, and they would have pizza, and they would you know tell jokes and you know, laugh about whatever, and Eat the pizza, there's like locusts coming through, and then they're gone. And then we'd say, yes, we had good fellowship time together. Until somebody pointed out, no, you didn't. <laughs> that is not the same thing as fellowship. We do the same thing when we name, you know, Fellowship Hall. This is where fellowship takes place in the life of the church. Or when we have, you know, coffee and donuts time, and this is, this is our fellowship time, or our fellowship hour, as some churches will refer to it. And it's not that those things are bad or there's anything wrong with it necessarily, except when we use this word fellowship to mean it's just, you know, when people are around each other. That's fellowship, right? Hanging out. When really what we ought to call it is just hanging out. (laughs) Because fellowship, biblically, is something much deeper than that. It's actually a sharing of life together. And this is something that we all have this sense that we need. This sharing of life together. And so we see people reaching for it, searching for it in all kinds of different ways. And you'll find, you know, various organizations that get together around, uh, certain interest groups. You know, you have interest groups that get together and we're all, we like motorcycles. We're going to get together and talk about motorcycles. That's great. Now I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but we sort of go to those kind of things as a way of answering that hunger in our hearts that we have for real, true, deep sharing of life together, fellowship. And it's, like I say, it's not that those are bad, but they're not the fullness of what the Bible has to offer for us. 
In fact, what it has to offer for us is much bigger, even than any human relationship sharing of life together that we can have, because, as we all know, even the most intimate relationships that we can have here on earth only go so far as our life extends on earth. And there is something in us that screams that is wrong. And when death occurs, especially to those that we are so close to, we say that is that really the end? Can that be the end? And what the Bible says is, what I have for you is a true, intimate, sharing of life together kind of fellowship that is much bigger, much deeper, and much longer than anything uh, outside of this. This is the eternal life. And so this is what it is that John is proclaiming is where this fellowship comes from, where we find this fellowship, and it all has to do with Jesus. You might have guessed that. We already guessed that in the children's sermon. It always comes back to Jesus. And this is what John is proclaiming. And so he starts off saying, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and he ties Jesus into this eternal word of God, which was from the beginning. In other words, in contrast to those who crucified Jesus, who said, this is just some guy. That's all he is. He's some guy. He's you know, got some ideas, but he's just a regular person, and that's all he is, nothing more. That's why, that's why they put him to death. He was claiming to be more than that. And they said, no, you're not. That's all you are. And so they take him to the cross. And John says he was so much more than that. In fact, he is the eternal word of God who is from the beginning. He's the one that has life in him, the eternal life, which is with the Father, And now has appeared to us. This is what John is proclaiming. Is that Jesus is the eternal word of God from the beginning. That he is divine. He is the revelation of God himself to us. Now, the next part of what he says though, lets us know that John is not saying he merely appeared to be God. And you'll hear people like this as well. There will be some who will say, Jesus was just a regular guy, nothing more. But you'll also hear people who will say, it doesn't matter if Jesus was a regular guy or not. It doesn't matter if he lived at all. In fact, uh, in a book called Church History in Plain Language by Bruce Shelley, which I would recommend, he says that Gandhi actually... One time, the revered leader of India's independence once said, listen to this, Gandhi once said, I have never been interested in a historical Jesus. I should not care if it were proved by someone that the man Jesus never lived and that what was narrated in the Gospels were a figment of the writer's imagination, for the Sermon on the Mount would still be true for me. You hear that? What he's saying is it doesn't matter if Jesus was ever born, if he ever lived, or if all of this is was a, just a clever work of fiction. It would be like taking, uh, be like taking one of the Shakespeare fiction characters and saying, well, you know, you learn a lot of truth from, from how he wrote or the things that that character said. And Gandhi says, that's the same thing with Jesus. Whether he lived or not doesn't matter at all. And yet what John is saying is, no, it matters a whole lot. And as uh, that author actually comes back and says a few pages later, is man does not need a teacher, he needs a savior. This is why Jesus came. 
We didn't just need the word of God to stay off at a distance and be revealed to Moses who can then come down off the mountain with the commandments and say, this is how God wants you to live. And you say, okay, now that I have been taught by the word of God, that's what I need to do, so that's what I'm going to do. He did that. And we have a record, biblically, of the next thousand years of people trying to follow the teaching of God and say, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. If all we needed was another savior, or if all we needed was a teacher, that would be good enough. But while it is good, it's not good enough. Because we don't need a teacher. We need a savior. And John says, this is the one who not only is divine, not only is it the eternal word of God from the beginning, but he's also the one who has appeared in the flesh, who's a real person, who we heard, sure, as the word of God. But we also saw him, we also looked at him, and our hands actually touched him. And you have to imagine John, one of the closest three disciples of Jesus, as he's writing this to these uh, believers, saying, you know, in his, in his own mind, reflecting on the times where he was really close with Jesus. This is the Jesus who washed John's feet. This is the Jesus who, uh, who he leaned back on during that Last Supper meal. This is the Jesus who cooked him breakfast on the beach after he was raised from the dead. This is the Jesus that he watched hanging there on the cross until he died. This is the Jesus who, after he was raised from the dead, not only cooked him breakfast, but also stood before him and breathed on him and said, as my father has sent me, so I send you. John was saying to these people, I am not telling you about something that I heard from somebody else who heard from somebody else. I'm telling you what I know and what I know intimately what I know very closely and personally, what I know not only from what I've heard and what I've seen, but what I have touched and held on to. This is what I'm telling you about. So listen up. And then he tells us why he's explaining it. Mm -hmm. I'll give you one more before we go on to that. The historicity of... uh, Jesus. I, this is from when we went to Israel in the spring. Um, one of the things we noticed is there are a lot of different responses people have when they go to Israel. I'd actually been warned by someone ahead, ahead of time, um, be careful when you go over there because I've heard that sometimes when people go to Jerusalem, they have uh, basically a Jesus complex where they start to imagine that they, have, they are now the next embodiment of Jesus and then they, they kind of go crazy. So, uh, yeah, watch out for that. <laughs> Thanks, I'll keep it in mind. I am not Jesus. Got it. Okay. Um, But there are other responses besides that. One of them uh, was people would get over there and you start going to these various sites that you've read about in the Bible your whole life and people were kind of blown away that, wait, this place is real. (laughs) This is an actual place where real people lived and did things. And it's almost as though they had, while reading the Bible, had been kind of supposing, you know, they kind of make up the geography in your head as you go, and then the characters sort of become distant as well, and it almost is like you're reading about Neverland or about Middle Earth or, you know, any of these imaginary places. And then they read about these places in the Bible they've never been to before, and it all seems so distant and far away, and they get over there and go, this is a real place. Real people were here. This is where Jesus actually was. Now, I can't tell you how many times we heard those kinds of comments where we go to these various sites. It's like, Jesus was really right here. Right here. <laughs> this is where it happened. Because it was coming alive to them in a way that it had always seemed like 
I mean, yeah, I believe it's true, but I'm not sure how real. And that's one of the things that John was trying to communicate uh, to his readers and to us as well, is this is something that really happened. That the word of God from the beginning, that eternal, the eternal word of God, who when God speaks, let there be light, light happens. This eternal word that life exists in has appeared in the flesh in the person of Jesus. And John says, and I knew him, I know him closely. Um, so yes, he's divine, but he's also human. Fully, fully. And then he explains why it is that this is what he proclaims. I'm going to put forward this is also why this is what we should proclaim. And he says, we proclaim, this to, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we write this to make our joy complete. So there are two sides of this. One is the fellowship. And as I mentioned before, this is the sharing in the life. But now do you see that it's so much more than just you know, a couple of people getting together and being interested in the same things? This is a sharing in the life of Jesus. This is a sharing in that eternal life. A sharing in the fellowship that has been going on from all time within the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That sharing of the true life together. And what John is saying is that's where our fellowship is, and I want you to join me in that. So we can have fellowship together, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. It is the true fellowship, the true sharing in the true life that goes on forever. It's true fellowship with God and people is made possible through God, through the God in the flesh, Jesus. But secondly, he says that our he writes this so that our joy will be made complete. In other words, by telling this to people who are in danger of walking away from the faith, who have been hearing messages that are contrary to what John is telling them he knows to be true, and because of that, thinking about walking away, he says, no, 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 I want you to know this, and I'm, I'm writing this to you so that our joy will be complete. Because it's, uh, our joy is increased when that fellowship is shared and when it is strengthened. Very uh, quickly here, C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Four Loves, in writing about friendship, he talks about a situation where he had two close friends and one of them died. And he had suspected that when the one died, that, well, at least one, one thing about that, not you know, kind of put a silver lining on a bad situation, is, well, at least now I'll have more of the other friend. You know, we'll have more time together. We'll get to know each other even better. And he found out that wasn't the case. Here's how he writes about it. He says, In each of my friends, there is something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I am not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights than my own to show all his facets. Now that Charles is dead, I shall never see Ronald's reaction to a specifically Charles joke. Far from having more of Ronald, having him to myself now that Charles is away, I have less of Ronald. He goes on to say, We possess each friend not less, but more, as the number of those with whom we share him increases. You may have seen this in your own personal experience with friends and family members. But more than that, if that is the way that it is with friends and with family, how much more so is it with God? And that 
we say, you know, we come to fellowship with God, it can't be just me and Jesus apart from everybody else. Because when it's just me and Jesus, I only get to see the part of Jesus that is revealed directly to me. But I miss all the ways that he's revealed himself to others as well. And those other aspects of who he is. This is one of the reasons why we gather together as a church. This is one of the reasons why we gather together for Bible study. And we read through and we say, this is how God was acting with these people there. And you can come up in your own mind and you say, oh, I know how he acted in my life in a very similar way. But then we also share with each other and say, and let me tell you how he acted in my life. Let me tell you how he acted in my life. And we get to see how he acts with all of us. And we get a much bigger, much fuller picture of who God is. And it doesn't decrease our joy the more people who know him. In fact, it increases our joy. And in fact, it increases our joy together as we share in that life together. So, what is it that uh, John is proclaiming? He's proclaiming Jesus Christ. The one who was from the beginning, but who, in whom life is. Who has appeared in the flesh. This is what he is proclaiming. And he's proclaiming it so that we can have fellowship with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we can have true fellowship with each other. So that we can share in the true life that goes on to forever. True fellowship with God and with people is made possible through the God in the flesh, Jesus. And our joy is increased when that fellowship is shared and strengthened. Therefore, we have three tasks before us. First of all, listen. Hear this word proclaimed. Hear it as you read through the Bible. Hear it as you sit in Bible study with other Christians. Hear it as you talk about it with each other. Hear it as you sit in uh, worship services and hear the word proclaimed. Second, receive this, receive Jesus, this life and this fellowship with God the Father and also with others. Receive that personally into your own heart and life and let him begin to change you even now into the fellowship and bring you into the fellowship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and with each other. And third, hearing it, receiving it, which, by the way, is done constantly. Let's also move on to being those who proclaim it. Joining with John, joining with me, joining with the Christians throughout history and throughout uh, our country and the world even now who are proclaiming Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the one who brings us true life and true fellowship. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.